I'm at risk if I go swimming of a shark attack. That doesn't stop you from going swimming in the ocean, right? Like, sure, some people get attacked by sharks. Sure, some people get hit by lightning every year. But you don't stay up at night worrying about it, right? You, you don't, you know, some some planes go down. You don't like avoid holiday travel just because. Um, so it's a matter of putting things into context, right? Like, what are the actual chances of this? Should a reasonable person spend any time, you know, any headspace, even worrying or thinking about that as a real possibility? And for monkeypox, unless right now, unless you're a gay man, I mean, you just don't need to worry about it at all. Get ready for the uncloseted conservative hour you've been waiting for. No censors, no fake news, just facts and the freedom to speak them. Friends, if you are still in the conservative closet, I've got one question for you. Why? We've sat in silence. We've been on the sidelines for years. How has it been working out? That's why it's an uncloseted conservative revolution right here, right now. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host and the original uncloseted conservative. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Wherever you're watching or listening, I know you're not watching or listening on YouTube uh, because I am once again, guys, I think like strike number nine um, in in a two-year period. Uh, But I'm in YouTube jail and you know what? It it doesn't even matter. Uh, Screw YouTube. Um, So, uh, guys... Today's show is brought to you by Birch Gold. Text Mobley to 989898 to get your free information kit from Birch Gold. That's Mobley from 9898 or text Mobley to 989898 today so you can learn how to secure the value of your hard-earned savings in precious metals IRAs. They also have physical gold and silver products available for sale on their website, birchgold.com. Make sure you use promo code uh, Mobley when you're checking out. Um, so guys, today we're going to be uh, talking about all things monkeypox. Everyone's uh, a favorite topic. You know, maybe you're very worried about uh, catching monkeypox for some reason. Uh, and if you are, I, I'm very curious uh, to meet you out there in the fan base. So definitely uh, leave a comment somewhere. Guys, uh, the best way to reach me is by email. Send me your thoughts. It's ask at thejomoblishow.com. Love getting all your emails. And as always, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, uh, the podcast, whatever you're consuming this on, make sure you're subscribed because Big Tech likes to unsubscribe you uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, so we've got our guest, Dr. Syed Hyder. Uh, he's a doctor fighting for medical freedom. He's crushing misinformation. If you are the type of person and you look to mainstream media and you try and learn the truth about uh, viruses or the truth about uh, these these medical pandemics that are kind of happening concurrently, uh, you're not going to see it there. On uh, CNN, MSNBC, you're going to just see indoctrination. They're going to blame everything on January 6th or white supremacy, Donald Trump, something like that. Um, Dr. Hyder is giving us the facts that we need to know. And he's also offering American-made prepper antibiotics and chronic med refills in case of an emergency. Guys, go to mygotodoc.com uh, to get those materials, all that and more, and it all starts right now. Dr. Hyder, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Joe. Of course, of course. So um, again, guys, if you missed the website, I know it went by fast. It's mygotodoc.com. Not to be confused with Dr. Uh, Fauci's website, um, stfauci.org. Go to mygotodoc.com. You can uh, learn more about Dr. Hyder's uh, company and, and you can just read all kinds of awesome uh, news. Make sure you subscribe uh, to his email list. Do you have a Substack? I don't think I saw a Substack. Yeah, I have a Substack. Um, I think it's Dr. Syed Hyder um, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, we, we do publish occasionally on Substack. And um, 
and also, I mean, to my own blog on my website. So, all right. Well, I never thought I would start an interview this way, but talk to us about monkeypox. Yeah. So, um, the the main thing that's not really being focused on um, in the mainstream media is that this is an STD, right? It's a sexually transmitted disease or infection um, amongst gay men. Obviously, I think that part has been kind of highlighted, but you know. This, you know, there was a, recently a news item in, that in New York, part of the public health department, one of the people in the public health department wanted to tell gay men in New York that this is a sexually transmitted infection and you need to stop having sex so that we can stop the transmission. Um, and so instead of doing that, the public health department basically told them to, to maybe consider avoiding kissing for too long. Um, and, uh, and that's just, you know, it's kind of ridiculous that we can't just be upfront about this and say that this is an STD. It's spreading as an STD. You know, if you stop having sex, it'll stop spreading. Um, and so, so that's essentially what's going on right now. What concerns me, you know, obviously if you're not a gay man and you're not having sex, then, you know, you're not going to get this at the moment, right? Like right now. But what I find concerning is that there's, um, you know, evidence to suggest that this was this this is another bioengineered weapon, just like COVID was, um, and it may have even planned by somebody and released on the world. And and the reason I I'm concerned about those possibilities, there's two main reasons. One is that the virus itself mutates and evolves very, very slowly, the monkeypox virus. And this current strain that's spreading is so much different than the last known natural strain that it it's difficult to imagine how it could have evolved in the natural world without some kind of gain of function happening in a laboratory. So that's number one. Number two is that just like we found out, you know, in the middle of COVID pandemic, that there was this kind of tabletop exercise, you know, called the Bent 201 that happened a few months before the pandemic. And it kind of like predicted, you know, that there might be a coronavirus pandemic in the world, a new strain. And, you know, how should we deal with the misinformation online? And how should we like deal with the anti-vaxxers? And how, you know, how should we approach this? You know, we should do locking and lockdowns and masking and all that stuff. Um, so all of the kind of moves that were made by, by governments around the world in lockstep um, were actually pre-planned during that um, kind of pandemic preparedness exercise. Um, and so the same exact thing happened for monkeypox. It happened about a year ago now. Um, and the really strange thing about that is that the that they seem to have predicted almost to the day, right, with, within a day or two of when the pandemic would actually start. Um, and so, so over a year ago now, there was another tabletop exercise. A bunch of governments got together to plan and, and a bunch of, you know, non-governmental organizations got together to plan. What would we do if there was a new strain of monkeypox that was developed by some, you know, bioterror group and released on the world, you know, starting May 15th, 2022. Um, and so again, their, their plan includes lockdowns and masking and vaccines and, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, and in their pandemic exercise, um, they predict, you know, hundreds of millions of deaths and billions of infections. Um, and so at this point, we don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. Um, and, you, you know, you can speculate, um, why it is that there was an exercise and how it got the date so close to, to you know, when it actually started. Um, but there, you know, again, there is this um, data in the genetic code of this variant of monkeypox suggesting that it was designed um, and it was released. And, and for people, you know, who are concerned about our freedoms, I think we need to be prepared for this thing picking up steam because it is increasing exponentially at this point. So every few weeks we're doubling the case numbers. And I, I know it seems like really small and that, you know, it's not an emergency. We shouldn't have declared a national emergency. WHO shouldn't have declared emergency. I, I get that and I agree. Um, but what we should do is take it seriously and just stop it, right? Like at this point, it's easy to stop. All you have to do is what, you know, we've known from public health for decades, if not 100 years, you go and find the people who are infected and you isolate them. And then you ask them, who are your contacts? Who did you have sex with right now, right? Like, it's not just like who you came in contact with. All you have to ask is who you had sex with. Then you go and find those people and tell them, hey, you may be at risk for monkeypox. If you develop sores, you need to isolate, right? And then the health department needs to go and follow up with these people and make sure, you know, call them and make sure that they're isolating. They're not. And what does that mean? It means don't go and have sex, 
right? It's, it's pretty simple, right? It's not like so much like, you know, you can't go to the grocery store or something. Like if you just told those people who have it not to have sex and you kind of like followed up and ensured that they were not, and you told everyone that, they, you know, all their sex partners and, you know, you made them all aware of this, uh, you could stop it. And, and people... This is not like a pleasant experience to have monkeypox, right? So I think you you would easily get buy-in from the gay community even, right? If you just were upfront and honest with them, 10% of the people who get this thing get hospitalized just for pain, for severe pain. Um, no one wants that, right? Like these people would be perfectly happy trying to, you know, skip that whole experience and, and not give it to other people. Um, but again, like it's a, this like political thing, you know, it's, it's being politicized right from the start. You know, we can't come out and just tell gay men to stop having sex. You know, we can't say, yeah, like, the, you the know, maybe we should. That's a big no, no. That's just a non-starter. You've got to do something else. Yeah. And so, um, so, so it's easy to stop this thing and it's tracks lockdowns, you know, society wide lockdowns would be ridiculous for this thing, you know, at this point or in the future. I mean, you don't need to do that. And, and I think hopefully we learned from COVID that you should never do that. Even if it's a virus, like an upper respiratory virus. I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work, you know, either you, maybe if you had a, like a targeted lockdown in like a, a neighborhood or a city, like in Wuhan, right? The way they did this like tremendous lockdown of the whole city, sudden and severe, you know? Um, maybe you can slow it down, but you're never gonna stop it, right? Like, you know, now China is dealing with it again, right? So like, eventually it's gonna spread. Um, that That's with COVID and that's with an upper respiratory infection that spreads really fast and, you know, the life cycle is far shorter. With monkeypox, you could stop it, but it's like completely unnecessary to destroy an you know an entire society's economic infrastructure by locking down everyone who's not at risk, you know, I mean, or who's you, not transmitting it. You think about the well, we went through all the stages of COVID. We we did like in our house, it was the 15 days to sell the spread. I was sick on say like a Thursday or Friday. It was like March 9, 10, 11. Um, I I left work, you know, uh classified side. I like leave. I don't want to get anyone sick. And then like the government shuts down that weekend. So I like never returned to that office, but we went through all of the, the, we went through all of the like phases of COVID. We wore the mask, we wiped down groceries and we did that stuff for like 10 to 12 days. And then it very clear, it became very clear to us that something else was going on. They didn't know how it spread. They didn't know this, that infection rates were all over the place. Monkeypox is not like that. Monkeypox is not this big mystery. We don't know where, how it spreads, how it manifests in the human body. We, it, it, it's, it's like you really have to search to even get to the basic fact that it's an STD. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just so people aren't confused about treatments like, you know, preventative treatment, vitamin D, good for COVID. You know, stranger-filled orgy fast type D, that's bad. That's how you get monkeypox. Um, but we're, we're not supposed to be able to say that. Like, this, this just reminds me a lot of the AIDS epidemic of where, mm -hmm. where it was taboo. Um, I, I fully expect Dr. Fauci to hit the scene again and give terrible, awful advice, like wear a mask. Why? Like, I don't know if it's like this where you are, but I'm seeing people mask up all over the place again. And it's because of monkeypox. It's not because of COVID. And I'm like, you can't get monkeypox. Like, the, yeah. this isn't going to help you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, there's just this lack of like basic scientific understanding in the population. I mean, we've been dumbed down to such a degree that... Um, people just don't get it, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and right now the CDC is, you know, still kind of fear mongering, right? Like they're, you know, I mean, they do admit that you would have to be like literally inches away from somebody's face for at least six hours to even have a chance of getting it, you know, from their spittle or something, right? Flying into your face. Um, but it's like, you know, that's not something that you, that, that like, incredibly rare instance that might happen, right? One in a billion chance or something that that might happen. That's not something you need to even mention to people, right? Like that reminds that's me not of the old, I got it from the toilet seat line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like you said, with the AIDS, you know, epidemic, I mean, that was, again, it was gay men, right? And, and IV drug abusers, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and yet Fauci went on and he kind of suggested that like anyone could get it. You could get it with a casual contact, perhaps, in a house, you know, with somebody else who had AIDS. And then people just became so frightened of this thing, right? I mean, they didn't want to have anything to do with somebody with AIDS, right? Like people didn't want to play basketball, Magic Johnson, right? Like, um, you know, it was like people just became like utterly terrified of something that was essentially like a close to zero risk for them. And and we're still kind of like suffering from that kind of like, you know, stigma. I mean, it's far less now than it used to be, um, but it's hard to get away from. And it's and I think you're right. The same the same thing is going to happen with monkeypox, you know, sooner or later, you know, Fauci is going to come out and be like, you know, everyone needs to be worried about this. You know, kids are getting it. These, these people are getting it. And and like no one really talks about, OK, at the end of the day, what are the actual chances? Right. Like one thing is like, OK, I'm at risk if I go swimming of a shark attack. That doesn't stop you from going swimming in the ocean, right? Like, sure, some people get attacked by sharks. Sure, some people get hit by lightning every year. But you don't stay up at night worrying about it, right? You, you don't, you know, some some planes go down. You don't, like, avoid holiday travel just because. Um, so it's a matter of putting things into context, right? Like, what are the actual chances of this? Should a reasonable person spend any time, you know, any headspace, even worrying or thinking about that as a real possibility, and for monkeypox, unless right now, unless you're a gay man, I mean, you, you just don't need to worry about it at all. Um, what I'm, you know, want people to be prepared for is first of all, you know, the attack on their freedoms and you know the possible incoming lockdowns and everything. Um, and number two, um, you know, what if a new variant is released that does spread easier, you know, to everyone that that doesn't require sexual contact, you know, um, that kind of like goes back towards like what monkeypox historically has been, you know, the older, you know, variants, you know, what's still circulating in Africa, something that doesn't require, you know, it's not an STD. It's just, you know, it's transmitted, you know, by person to person contact, you know, contact with the fluids of the lesion, the fluid of the lesion, basically the, you know, that's what's the infectious fluid that kind of oozes out of the lesion. If that gets on somebody's hands and they, you know, touch you or something, that's how this thing gets transmitted. Um, and so, so we just got to be aware of like, okay, we've been through COVID. We know the, we know this, we know how this works, right? And so, what I think is going to happen next is that you just go back and look at the the playbook for the COVID pandemic. You know, you start off and there's not very many cases because there's not a lot of testing, right? And then you suddenly release hundreds of millions of tests, you know, and send them out to everyone in the country, and you set the cycle counts too high, and then suddenly you have an explosion of, you know quote unquote cases. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have people who are dying in motorcycle accidents and testing positive for your monkeypox and being listed as monkeypox deaths. Um, but it's even worse with monkeypox because you could have like a, you know, an acne breakout and somebody could be like, oh, that's monkeypox. You know, you tested positive, you got monkeypox. Or you could have like, a, you know, herpes rash or something, right? And mm-hmm. you test positive for monkeypox. Um, and so, so it is going to, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's going to, uh, it's continuing to spread because we're not doing the simple things that we would need to do if we really wanted to stop it. If the healthcare establishment, if the CDC really wanted to stop this thing, they could have stopped it months ago, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous that we have monkeypox spreading the way it is right now. It's because it's a failure yeah. of public health. It really is. So you said two things. I definitely release is the right word. I want to get to that um, after this, but. Everyone, for a time, August 3rd, this article comes out, everyone's talking about DeSantis saying he's not going to declare a state of emergency for monkeypox. And the interesting thing is the immediate backlash was against him for not being willing to do the right thing for (laughs) for the greater good. And he's saying... Well, he's saying, no, individuals decide what the right thing is. But more than that, he's calling out the federal government for planning these things and for anticipating and encouraging states of emergency. And practically while he's still speaking, like the very next day in the news cycle, Biden declares monkeypox a public health emergency. This is significant because, hey, look at this, Mike Lindell right here. Hey, promo code Mobley, guys, on MyPillow.com. But anyway... (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is significant because our government 
is obsessed with emergencies, emergency authorization, emergency use authorization, emergency powers. What is going on? Why are we obsessed with states of emergency and specifically medical emergencies now in the United States and probably across the world? I I imagine it's like this in other countries where their public officials are just chomping at the bit just like, where's the next emergency? What can we release next? How can we clamp down on people? Yeah, I think I think you you know you're pointing at the answer here. You know, it's about power, right, and control of populations, um, and and it's also about you know money, right? So the federal government is unfortunately in bed with big industry. I mean, we have a fascist kind of government, according to you know Mussolini's definition, where you have a corporate kind of government, corporate control of your government. Um, and so, you know, who holds the purse strings that, you know, for elected officials? It's the people who put them into power, right? It's the medical industrial complex, the military industrial complex. Um, but those, I think, are the two big ones, right? Um, you know, Congress is funded by big pharma. Um, the NIH is deeply in bed with big pharma. Um, and so, um, you know, people benefit from these declarations of emergency, you got to follow the money. You got to follow, like, ask who benefits, right? Um, and then that's the that's the number one question. So people who benefit from, you know, control um, are going to like these things. And then the pharmaceutical companies and just the scaremongering tactics, right? So there's people, there's companies that are going to make money selling, you know, monkeypox vaccines to people who don't need them, you know, and people, you know, companies that may make money selling the oral drugs and the IV drugs. And, um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, like the people like Amazon and Facebook and Google, um, they benefited tremendously from the lockdowns that we had in in this country in the last two years for COVID, you know, they put small and mid-sized businesses, you know, they, they bankrupted them. Um, and, and they, and we were allowed to go shop at Walmart, but we couldn't go shop at like the mom and pop, sh- you know, store on main street. So we, you know, we could go to Walmart or we could order stuff online through Amazon. Um, and so, you know, it, it was a consolidation of money and power both. Um, and, you know, just like an extreme concentration is what we're seeing, right? The, during the during that pandemic in the last two years, we had a tremendous shift in transfer of wealth from the, you know, lower and middle classes to the to the top 1.1% of, uh, of this country and around the world. Um, you know, billionaire, we were just minting billionaires every week, right? New billionaires and the, you know, people who were already billionaires were just like, you know, significantly you know, increasing their wealth. Um, so everyone, you know, who's been on board with this, the program has benefited from it, right? The people who are censoring us, they're benefiting, you know, the big corporations who are paying for, um, you know, congressmen, to, you know, and women to get elected and, you know, paying for, you know, so, so the, the people who hold the money, hold the purse strings are benefiting from these agendas. And at the end of the day, I mean, one of the things I think that, you know, elites around the world are worried about is people joining forces, right? So people setting aside their differences and deciding that like, hey, we've had enough, right? Our money has been inflated away to the point where we just can't get by anymore, right? And and we've had enough and we're gonna we're just gonna take you out of power, right? Or or maybe we're gonna pull out the pitchforks and we're gonna go and like, you know, stick your heads on sticks and, you know, and and we're just going to overthrow this, you know, terrible government and just, we've had enough. Um, And so, so one way to prevent that is from sowing discord, you know, amongst populations, which is, you know, done to a tremendous extent. Um, And the other way is to depopulate, right, is to encourage um, ideologies that lead to population collapse or, you know, perhaps to spread things that actually directly cause population collapse, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the, the injections, the mRNA injections will, you know, inhibit fertility. And and we we do see indications of that, like lower sperm counts, lower sperm quality and problems with, um, you know, female fertility as well. Um, And, and so, so those are kind of like things that directly may impact fertility, but even just ideologies like, you know, you know, feminism and LGBTQ ideologies, um, these things um, encourage lower birth rates, right? So Gen Z, which is coming of age right now, they're 10 to 22 years old or so, um, 
nine to 40% of them identify as LGBTQ, which means that, you know, a lot of those people either won't have kids or they'll be unable to have kids, like the, especially the trans community. Sometimes they're infertile, right? They, we've, they become medically infertile because of the, you know, the hormones or the surgeries that have been done to them. So we're already at below replacement levels in most industrialized economies and birth rates are plummeting across the world, right? Across not just the Western world, but across the entire world. Um, and so, you know, all of these agendas, the climate change kind of like scares and, you know, everything is headed in the direction of depopulation one way or the other, right? Like we've already, I think, gone too far with the changes in our culture, right? The cultural changes and the, you know, um, you know, the attacks against the family and, and just people, you know, not wanting to have babies anymore, right? Um, so we've already reached the point where we'll certainly be depopulating the earth, uh, but we could have like a really a collapse of the population, which could be terrible. I mean, it would take what happened during the Great Depression and it would be like 10x, 100x worse, right? Because suddenly you don't have enough people to buy the, even the existing housing stock, you know, within a generation or two. Um, you know, if you have below replacement birth birth rates, you know, within a generation or two, you're just going to have too many houses, right? So housing prices will collapse, stock markets will collapse because there's just not enough people to buy stuff, right? There's not enough people to buy the iPhones anymore, right? Let alone, you know, to grow the food and to, you know, sustain the elderly, right? Take care, take yeah, care of the no, elderly. No one is talking about this, but we are... We are dangerously close. Uh, people talk about the depopulation agenda a little bit, but we're already teetering on the edge when you look at the the population controls that we've kind of either put on ourselves or maybe it was successful propaganda campaigns. I don't know. Um, but we are not reproducing at the rate that we should be. Um, I don't know if that's here in America, if that's a worldwide problem. Um, but it's so interesting that you talk about that. No one talks about this hardly anywhere. I think I've heard Charlie Kirk speak about it like once. Um, I don't know. Maybe Alex Jones uh, is talking about <laughs> it. But we are we are definitely uh, facing a, a depopulation issue. Uh, now, here's something I, I like to call. <laughs> I like to give credit where credit's due. Um, I. Uh, this got taken down from LinkedIn, which is so interesting. LinkedIn is such a milk toast platform. I'm, I expect to always be in trouble with Facebook and uh, YouTube, but I got uh, I got taken down for violating the professional community policies. And I'll just call a spade a spade. LinkedIn's right about this one. This probably is not appropriate for the workplace here. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> thumbnail image there. But... Not surprisingly, or not surprising at all, we're already hearing uh, that there's there's indications uh, that this is a, a possibly a, a gain of function situation again, which will of course um, link to the CDC um, on the LinkedIn note, guys. The way that you can help out and defeat the getting taken down from places like LinkedIn is go to the website, buy some merch. It's there for you uh, right now because of the FBI rating uh, Donald Trump's home and because of how ridiculous that is right now, um, 30% off everything on the website. I've never done 30% off everything on the website. And I can tell you with all certainty because I get uh, very nervous about people ordering huge amounts of things. A lot of my merchandise, I don't make 30% on. So you can kind of do the math there. Um, if you're black, find a white person to help you with math because Joe Biden says that we don't know how to do that. Uh, but the code is stand your ground. Um, anything from my America First uh, shop you get 30% off. Uh, even if I sell it to you at a loss, stand your ground, use that promo code. The website's not going to remind you. The website's going to remind you of the 10% promo code, which you're free to use. Uh, but you got to watch the show. You got to make sure that you're paying attention. It's promo code stand your ground. Um, but yes, so back to the monkey business, literally. Um, talk to us about the possibility of gain of function. I just saw this. It was like today or yesterday. And I felt like such an idiot. I'm like, oh, of course, we just went through this. You know, coronaviruses exist. But of course, we just went through this. I'm surprised my antennas weren't up when monkeypox first hit the scene. Um, but talk to us about 
uh, this this new news, this possibility that there's some gain-of-function shenanigans going on with the monkeypox here. Yeah, so this is, uh, is basically one study so far. And again, we don't have a lot of data on monkeypox the way we do with... Um, like, well, we haven't like studied this new variant as much as we've, you know, studied the COVID pandemic. Although monkeypox has been around for decades, you know, it's been circulating in Africa. There was a small outbreak in America of like 70 people, um, you know, decades ago that was easily, you know, wiped out um, and, and no one died. And, and that was, it was a different version of this virus. So basically monkeypox, unlike COVID, is a very slowly evolving virus. It's what's called a double-stranded DNA virus. And, uh, you know, COVID is an RNA virus. Virus, which evolves far more quickly. The double-stranded DNA viruses, they have two strands of DNA, and each strand kind of acts as a check on the other. So if there's like a, a mutation in one strand, it'll be caught by the other one, and it won't, you know, proliferate as quickly. Um, and so, you know, monkeypox, in, in the natural world, we can kind of predict how quickly mutations will form in a double-stranded DNA virus. And so if you look at like the precursors of a strain of monkeypox, you can go and see, you know, where did it come from, right? What evolutionary branch is this? And we did the same thing with COVID. Um, and so you go back to Africa and you look at the, the circulating strains in Africa and you find the one that's most similar to the new strain. And then you kind of like just count up the number of mutations and you can see that this particular strain that's spreading right now has way too many mutations to be accounted for by natural evolution, right? Like it's just impossible for so many mutations to have just happened naturally. It would have taken far longer. It would have taken decades for this many mutations to show up. And, and we've, you know, it only had a couple of years to to mutate, you know, um, and to start spreading. So, I mean, you could argue that maybe it was like spreading in some isolated area. No one ever knew about it. No one ever saw it. But I mean, but that's, it's that's what unlikely. that's what they always argue. We, many of my listeners, try and bring this news to people. You know, not the hardcore crazy lefties that are just they are down for the cause. They're 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 almost unreachable. But for for a layperson, because I remember I it's been a long time since I took biology. Um, I do know what a woman is, but it's been a long time since <laughs> I took biology. And but I remember, you know, when um uh Rand Paul was kind of educating people about gain of function, I'm like, this is kind of technical. What you just said, how do we remind people of those basic biological truths that things don't mutate from A to Z in a short period of time? Because it's it's very, again, one study, um, one publication, but it's very indicative when you see version A, AA, ABA, BA, CBA, whatever. It, it's almost like the LGBT movement. It just keeps on getting further. It started with one letter and now it's a, a quarter of the alphabet, um, which is, it's funny, but it's true. It, it's a look at the movement. It is a quarter of the alphabet, LGBTQ, LMNOP, AI+, whatever. Um, how do we communicate that to people? Like, hey, we need to look at this. There are too many variations for this to be naturally occurring very likely too many for this to be naturally occurring. Like, how do how do we tell, like, uh, I, I, we've all got friends, we've all got family that are just swept up in the believe all government lies. Um, we, we can't let COVID and everything that COVID costs the world, we can't let that come back with monkeypox. Like, do you have any high percentage moves that work on reaching people? Yeah, I mean, this is hard because, I mean, we we've been struggling with this with COVID too, right? So there's a lot of misinformation, disinformation spreading about monkeypox and COVID, just the way it was with COVID, right? So you would, you know, Fauci called up some people and said, hey, we got to um, publish a paper, you know, discounting the whole lab leak theory. We got to like, you know, prove, quote unquote, prove in, in the journal Nature that um, this thing was a natural you know, it evolved naturally. Mm -hmm. And so people in power have certain agendas, you know, and they're afraid of the truth getting out. So they go to their network of, you know, high profile, you know, investigators and research scientists and say, hey, we, we got to come up with an argument, right? So, I mean, if anyone's ever argued with somebody who's really intelligent, I mean, they can argue, you know, 
they're good at convincing you and themselves of anything, right? So like they can start from any, you know, belief and, and craft an argument that sounds plausible to people who aren't, you know, deeply, you know, knowledgeable about a certain area. And, and especially these kind of things, I mean, like, it doesn't matter even if you remember 100% of high school biology, you're still not going to be up to speed on, you know, viral genetics and viral evolution and pandemics. Um, and so, so I, I don't know that there is a good way, right? Aside from, you got to find people who you trust, who are, you know, unbiased, you know, they're not, you know, like Robert Malone, for example, go check out his Substack. He's published three or four monkey art pox articles. Now he's, you know, he has the, he holds the patents for the mRNA technology that's being used nowadays in COVID vaccines, but he's spoken out against them and he doesn't benefit, you know, financially from um, the COVID pandemic and certainly not from the, the mRNA injections. So, um, but, you know, the people who are speaking out, if you find people like Robert Malone who have like, you know, deep scientific credentials and knowledge um, who, who only have something to lose by saying what they're saying, right? So, so scientists and researchers who come out and go against the mainstream, they put their careers at risk. And, and oftentimes it's the end of the, it means the end of their career, right? They're, they're not going to have a career after that. Um, and that's what people like Robert Malone have experienced, you know, um, you know, people like Peter McCullough, um, Pierre Corey. I mean, they've either been fired or censored or censured, you know, by the organizations that are affiliated with them. And so the, these people, I mean, they're really smart. They're highly credentialed, highly published. And, and those are the people that you can go and, and expect to find the truth, right? Or at least a, a good argument for the, you know, the opposing argument from whatever the mainstream media is currently, you know, propagating. But, you know, I, it's hard, right? Like, how do you red pill somebody, right? Like, there's no one way, right? Like, everyone who themselves became red pilled, I mean, they'll know that it's usually like a years long process, right? Of like, mm -hmm. just like, happening to go down different rabbit holes and finally you just kind of like slowly wake up and you're like, you know what, the, the story I've been told about the way the world works is completely false. <laughs> like I've been brainwashed, you know, I, and, and, you know, once you're awake, it's hard to go back to sleep, but uh, wake, the waking up process is difficult to recreate on demand for somebody who's not awake. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't have a great answer for that. Um, and, and it's just a, you know, this is what governments, you know, bank, you know, bank on the fact that they can bring out, you know, credentialed quote unquote experts and convince you of anything they want. Right. And then they can even, you know, flip flop and change their recommendations 100%. And people will still be like, oh yeah, the science is evolving. You know, it's like, no, the science has been there for 30 years that masks don't work against coronaviruses, right? Um, yeah. We've known for 100 years lockdowns won't work for a respiratory virus. Right? Yeah, but there's some high school student that wrote a paper that's a no, no, I love that answer. And and what stands out to me is it's very encouraging to just remember um, what Dr. Heider is saying. This is a long-term process. This is, I, I kind of liken it to evangelism or someone at one point someone needed to hear the gospel seven times and now it's up to 20 21 22 times before they would consider coming to church or reading you know uh, a gospel book you don't know where you are in someone's red pill journey okay you don't know um it, it's worth it even though you've been talking to those friends those family members those colleagues for months keep talking to them about this keep uh, sharing. That's what this show is about. It's about coming out of the conservative closet, being an uncloseted, I say uncloseted conservative and uncloseted whatever, is sharing your thoughts, opinions, and belief uh, without fear, without fail. This is something that you need to continue to do. Talk to them about the new article that you read. Talk to them about the new argument that you heard. Talk to them about the new concern and ask what their thoughts are. Um, because a lot of people do their thinking through speaking. Um, so get them to rationalize, get them to defend their positions out loud over many weeks, months, maybe even years. Um, so speaking One thing of... I would add to that is just like people have to learn the soft sell, okay, <laughs> right? Like when you mm -hmm. try to like 
when you argue and like attack, right? People are put on the defensive. You got to kind of be a little bit, you know, softer and, you know, give them a chance to be right and give them a chance to like, like don't, don't do the attack dog routine so much. You know, you got to, you know, people, because then you put people like they're defending themselves and they, and they become stubborn, right? They're like, you know what? I don't want to change my mind. Okay. I don't care what you tell me. Um, yeah. And so you got, you got to be a little bit more subtle, I think with people. And, and I think that's a problem most of us have is that we're, especially, I mean, it's kind of like this American kind of personality that is like, I'm just going to be like upfront and just like, you know, just say it. Right. Um, I mean, that works with some people, but I mean, the, the success rate is pretty low. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, if you've been saying it like over and over for like years, um, you might need to like enlist somebody else to say it for you mm. because like people have just shut off, right? They're thinking and, and they're not willing to engage anymore. Right. And I'm sure everyone, you know, a lot of people listening have had this experience where it's like, you, you've been talking to somebody and finally they just get fed up and they're like, you know what? I don't want to talk about this with you ever again. Right. Just don't tell me about it. And that, that's like, you know, you got to reevaluate. Right. And if something's not working, you got to change it. Right. Don't keep doing the same thing. Um, find some other method um, or find some messenger for you, right? Like, you know, especially when you're trying to like talk to your parents, for example, right? Like they mm -hmm. see you as like, you know, they saw you when you were in diapers, right? So you're trying to like get them to change their worldview. They're going to be like, come on, <laughs> you know, I've been around a lot longer than you, son, yeah. you know, kiddo. Um, and so like getting a messenger that can kind of bypass that and like maybe a friend or an acquaintance or somebody to like go to them for anything, right? This just doesn't, it's not just about these kind of topics, but if you're trying to like convince them about something related to health or something, you know, I, you know, I'm a doctor, right? Like I don't go directly to my dad and like tell him what to do, right? I find a doctor friend of mine to tell him because again, right? Like he doesn't see me as a doctor. Right? He sees me as his son um, that he raised oh, yeah. from, you know, nothing into what I am today. So just, you know, I would just encourage people to, you know, you know what's not working for people, right? Try to be creative and figure out other ways to, to approach people and to bring it up. And, and just like, you just have to get the thought in their mind and you got to slip it in. Right. Um, and it, and they oftentimes they're not going to agree right away, but like that thought, once you plant the seed and if you plant it properly, right. Like in a way that's like, inviting them to like accept it, it might take three or four months, but that thing might, you know, fruit and, you know, it might give fruit later on. Right. But it's just a matter of not, not like destroying the, you know, the, the, your chances by presenting it, you know, too aggressively. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so guys, medicine is not a bipartisan thing, healthy living, uh, preventative care, but I did think that it was cosmically funny. Um, you know, again, the website is mygotodoc.com and check out uh, the supplements, the products, the things that will help your immune system um, on the site, mygotostack.com. I just thought it was cosmically funny uh, that, <laughs> that the address is in Brandon, Florida on Brandon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, so, we, we, we chose it for that, man. We were like, wow, that's perfect. Yeah. So definitely, um, everyone, definitely check out the site. Um, get your superfoods. Why am I zoomed in like times a billion? Goodness gracious. <laughs> there we go. Get your immunity vitamins. Goodness <laughs> great. It's like my computer had on its granny glasses. Um, but excellent way that you can support uh, Dr. Hyder. Maybe you need to chill out. Maybe you need this my go-to stack relax right here. Maybe maybe that's your thing. Um, there, there's we, one for there's one for monkeypox actually, right? So if this thing really takes off, there's one in there called Saracenia. Wow. It's immunity Saracenia. If you click products at the top, you'll see it. Yeah, this is the my go-to doc. But if you go back to at the top products. Um, Somewhere in here it says immunity Saracenia. Yeah, that one right there on the left. Uh, immunity Saracenia. It's right right below your um, pointer. Right? That's that. my pointer. Yeah, so Saracenia, I just want to mention this quickly. It's a, it's the purple pitcher plant. It's a, a plant that's um, native to North America. It's a wild plant. And the Mi'kmaq Indians of Nova Scotia and other American Indians, they actually used this plant to treat smallpox. And then in 2012, a researcher at Arizona State University, he tested an extract of this plant, this herb, 
against both smallpox and monkeypox. And he found that it was effective at suppressing viral replication, as well as the IV drug, sidofovir, which is the what's in the U.S. strategic national stockpile to treat smallpox and monkeypox outbreaks. Um, so th this is an herb that, you know, I would recommend people, you know, if they want to be prepared with something, I mean, really there's nothing that's actually been tested and proven against smallpox and monkeypox in the real world in human beings. Um, but, you know, this thing works in a test tube just as well as the drugs that we have, right? And that, that's really the best we've done with the drugs too, right? T-pox, sidofovir, other, you know, smallpox slash monkeypox drugs have been tested in the lab, just like the Saracenia supplement, um, or in monkeys, right? And, and this current outbreak, nothing's been tested against it, right? So we don't have anything proven to work for this, whether, you know, it's the Janeos vaccine or, or the treatments, like nothing has actually been tested and shown to work in a human being. But if somebody wants to be prepared, I mean, myself and some of my patients, you know, we've, we stockpile this stuff just in case. Well, I love the hashtags. Um, uh, well, there's the hashtag Dr. Uh, Syed Hyder, but there's also uh, the, I could see that my wife just turned the car on because my computer just went in driving mode. That's funny. <laughs> uh, but there's also the, the hashtag backup meds. I think there's one other one. Let me go down here uh, on the website. But here's the deal, guys. This is like, these types of things are like, parachutes or like firearms or like like a parachute. No one's ever kind of needed a parachute. At that moment <laughs> that you need a parachute, you like really need a parachute or that's, that's the last piece of preparedness uh, or unpreparedness, you know, mistake that you make. You, you don't, yeah, there's nothing on the other side of, oh, I wish I had the parachute. Uh, the other one is hashtag disaster preparedness antibiotic kit. But here's the thing. Um, so many doctors, Dr. Emanuel, Dr. Simone Gold were saying this, get these things. You don't have to take them prophylactically, but have them on hand, especially since we know, we know um, that they're, they're trying to cause panic. They're trying to allow themselves to elicit emergencies again. We already spoke about this, but monkeypox was a tabletop simulation just last year. And Dr. Heider hit the nail on the head. The dates are eerily similar to the actual dates that all of this stuff started happening. So maybe you want to look into the future here, January 10, 2023. Uh, maybe look at the scenario and the key issues here. Uh, oh, you know what? This January, there just might be international supply chain challenges. Yeah. There, there just might be. So order <laughs> this stuff now, today. The website is, I put the wrong website in here. I've, I've got this one, the mygoto.com. My go to doc.com. Uh, hit the products tab there. At yeah, the I'll talk about this. We, we do have, like, like you had mentioned, antibiotic kits for in case of supply chain breakdown. So that is, um, it's a list of like, it's six different antibiotics. We'll give you a prescription and we'll connect you to a mail order pharmacy that has the cheapest possible antibiotics, but they're US, they're real antibiotics. And the interesting thing is a lot of preppers, they buy fish antibiotics, number one, or antibiotics from Mexico or from India uh, that don't require a prescription, obviously. Um, our solution here with the prescription and the cost of the antibiotics is cheaper than all those other options, which are less good. I can guarantee you it's better to have a human antibiotic from the US than a fish antibiotic or an antibiotic from Mexico or India. People living in Mexico and India prefer U.S. antibiotics, okay? <laughs> like, um, I mean, I have family in the Indian subcontinent. They don't trust <laughs> their local pharmacies. And so why are you buying from them, okay? <laughs> you should be buying from American pharmacies. Uh, but, you know, certainly you can find, you know, pharmacies that overcharge for these things. But like I said, we have found the lowest cost mail order pharmacy. And even when you pay me for the prescription, that cost plus the cost of the meds is far cheaper than it is to go and buy fish antibiotics or antibiotics from Mexico. I've checked, right? Like that, mm. that's why I feel comfortable saying that like you should do this. If you're a prepper, if you're worried about supply chain breakdowns, you need to know, and you probably already know, that 99% of our antibiotics come from China, right? Like Pelosi's going over there, stirring up the hornet's nest. What if they decide to sanction us? It's, you know, the way we tried to sanction Russia um, and cut our supply chains, cut our antibiotic supply chains. 
um, we may be in a world of hurt. So, so it's not just antibiotics, it's other medications. If you're on chronic meds, you want to have like a, you know, a six week supply in case of emergency, in case you, mm. you know, run out or something. Um, and so, so that, you, that's, an you got to remind people of the Oregon trail. You, people have got gold, guns, bullets, gasoline, but you got to remember there are millions of people that their existence is tethered to the use of readily available drugs. If those drugs don't become readily available, uh, then they're in trouble. So just think, I tell people, think back to the Oregon Trail, little Sally, she never made it west of the Mississippi. She always died of something that having this stuff on hand can help you uh, survive. So I just wanted to throw that in there because people think they don't need this. People think, I go to CVS, you know, I, I get it, whatever. When there are supply chain issues, when the, when the government's got everyone locked down and, and the stormtroopers are outside and you can't leave your home and, and the subcontracts go to Instacart so they just bring you all your groceries and food, you can get things, you can get some nasty infections, all kinds of things just from normal everyday living and you can't run to Walgreens or to CVS or to Walmart and, and get this stuff. Um, and you don't want it from China or from fish. That's just weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people don't realize that like this stuff, it doesn't even require like China to sanction us and cut off our supply chains. It, all it requires is some like a natural disaster like Hurricane Katrina. People in the middle of New Orleans, right? They one of all, first of all, they couldn't get out. Second of all, the you know, all the pharmacies were closed and the hospitals were full. So, like if you cut your finger, some you know, something that is so easily treatable. Um, in the era of modern antibiotics can become like a life-threatening situation, right? It's like something that a thousand years ago would have killed you is something that we can easily fix, right? Um, and so, so these kind of things, they can come in handy, um, but certainly we've seen in the last two years that supply chains have broken down for a number of products and thank God they didn't for antibiotics and medications, but, you know, it's one sanction away from being our lived reality in the U.S. And there's no way to ramp up manufacturing overnight for this stuff, right? Especially to the rate that we need it. Um, I, you know, we've thrown a few million dollars at this problem in the U.S., but nowhere ne near what we need to, you know, rebuild and re-onshore the manufacturing for this stuff. It's just, it's just not there yet. And so if we have lockdowns or if we have sanctions, you know, because we decide to, you know, go really go to war over Taiwan, um, th this is going to be a problem. You know, it's going to be a problem getting drugs, getting medications. And if you're a diabetic or if you have high blood pressure, I mean, you can go into a coma, you can stroke out if you suddenly stop taking these things, right? So those kind of things, you need a backup supply. Um, the U.S. government actually tested antibiotic backup supplies and they saw that like, if you kept them in a cool, dry place, they still retain more than 90% efficacy after 20 years. So like some people are like, you know, do I have to buy this every year? No, you actually don't. Um, so if, if a drug is not like a, a liquid capsule or something, if it's a powdered drug or, or a solid, um, you can put it in the freezer, you can put it in the fridge, you can put it just in a cool, dry place, maybe in a food, airtight food storage container that you can get, you know, at your local grocery store. And, and these things last, you know, until you need them. So it's like a one-time insurance policy. And I think the, you know, the, the analogy of the, um, you know, the parachute is spot on, right? Like if you need it, you need it. And if you don't have it, you know, you're, you're out of luck. <laughs> yeah, that's the end. Uh, so we just got a couple of minutes left. And this is where, this is where we step out of our professions and just spitball it. Uh, you know, doesn't matter that I'm a security guy. doesn't matter. Uh, that you're a doctor, we would be remiss if we didn't just just touch on this topic. Just what are your thoughts as an everyday dude? You know, the internet's going to hate this, conspiracy, whatever. What are your thoughts about the convenience of these outbreaks, these emergencies, and the election cycle? Because it seems like the vote and the pandemic of the day are closely related. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has been top of mind for me. It's just like, 
um, you know, there's some coincidences that just like, you know, it's like yeah. you can't believe that they're a coincidence, right? And so this is ramping up, you know, and, and so we know that COVID is probably going to get going in the winter, or at least the cases, the case counts will start to rise, you know. It's just a, a function of how much you test, right? The same with monkeypox. We're about to roll out massive, you know, con- testing for this emergency situation, you know, that we're in supposedly. And so we will have cases no matter what, right? Like it's just a decision. How many cases do you want, right? Like you pick the cycle count on the PCR test. If you pick it high enough, you'll have, you know, more cases, right? And if you pick it low enough, you'll have fewer cases. So, I mean, the the establishment knows this from COVID. I mean, it's like a well-oiled machine at this point. You know, you want to increase the fear. You just call up CNN and NBC and Fox News or, or you send them over your CIA guys to like, you know, be the experts, you know, on hand. Um, on the nightly news. Um, So like all of this has been done before and it's going to be done again, right? I mean, it made people billions and billions of dollars. Those people want more billions of dollars, right? The pharmaceutical companies want more money. They love pandemics. Bill Gates loves pandemics. I mean, they've been, him and Fauci have been planning pandemics for decades, right? Um, And so, yeah, I'm worried because Again, it's the same thing that happened um, last election cycle. Let's, you know, get more mail-in voting. Let's, you know, inhibit people from it's, going to the It's polls. not even an original story. It's a rerun of just last year. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you can see this incoming a mile away, right? Anyone who doesn't is just has their eyes closed or blinders on. Um, this is coming, <laughs> you know, to a polling station near you. Um, and, and again, we're going to see the exact same thing. And they're, you know, they're seeing, you know, the red wave is incoming too. You can see that a mile away, right? I mean, people are really fed up with this administration. Um, they're fed up with the Democratic Party. They are ready to vote red, okay? They're ready to vote Republican overwhelmingly, right? They're ready to kick this, these people out of power. And so these people are fighting for their lives. Right at this point, and it's like a whatever it takes situation. I mean, I'm even worried about like martial law being, you know, declared, right? Because, um, you know, at some point, like, you know, Trump is going to be back or somebody that they hate worse than that's going to be back. And, you know, what are they going to be able to do other than, you know, just stop the voting process entirely? I mean, you know, people are aware of what you can do to, to, to rig the vote now, right? And a lot of, especially, you know, Republican states are trying to, you know, prevent that from ever happening again. Um, and so, you know, the it's just, there's going to be a lot more um, focus and a lot more light being shown on election processes, hopefully, you know, this election cycle and in the next presidential election, um, you know, it's going to be harder to get away with what they may have gotten away with last time and what they did get away with last time. I mean, the things that they certainly did get away with and, and the things that we, you know, suspect that they got away with. And so, so when it becomes impossible in some places to get away with, you know, rigging an election, what do you do next? You get rid of elections, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you hit the nail on the head with the coincidence remark. It's just like, come on, guys. Like, this is a childhood joke. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This is like, fool me like 374 times. Come on, guys. At some point, we we have to wake up and smell the roses. I, I'm curious what election night which they're trying to make election week, election season is going to look like. I, I really am because they're, I don't care how many Dominion voter machines they have or, or whatever, you know, uh, Trump was right when he said, you know, overwhelming in-person show out messes up uh, mm-hmm. whatever these electronic means are. And you don't have to be a data scientist to know that. This is basic IT stuff. Uh, this is this is the basic premise of a denial of service attack on a website. It, it's just too much, yeah. and in that case, false activity. But too much real activity does throw a monkey wrench. Uh, no pun intended with the monkeypox episode into <laughs> things. But I'm just really curious because we have places where um, 80% of eligible voters show up in person on the day to vote. That then we're not going to be able to accept that it takes weeks, months, however long to count ballots. Um, uh, but anyway, I, I'm 
we're just two guys spitballing here. We don't have the I don't have the inside track on on elections. Maybe uh, maybe if I played for the other team, I would know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Dr. Hyder, this has been an awesome episode. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, guys. Again, the website is mygotodoc.com. Uh, go there and learn learn more about uh, Dr. Hyder's work, about these pandemics, um, and about the the disaster preparedness antibiotic kits that you really uh, should consider getting. You can store it. He gave you all those areas, just a cool dry place, freezer, um, anything in solid or powder form, and you are good to go. Um, and that the expiration dates are just just ignore that. I'm glad that you said that too, because really they they lose the tiniest little bit of potency. They're just the efficacy goes down like one percent. You mm-hmm. you can take a uh, that I'm not a doctor. I can give this non medical advice. You can take an expired uh, ibuprofen, guys. It's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, and it, it, you don't even fine. change the dose. I mean, it's like after yeah. twenty years, I would give you the same dose. I mean, even though it's yep. like. I mean, 90% is is close enough that the dose doesn't even change. So, and that's after 20 years. I mean, yeah. you're probably not going to keep this around that long. I mean, but even if you have to, I mean, th- this thing, you know, th- these, these, an- these medications, antibiotics and things, they do last. And so that is really important for people to understand. Awesome. Hey, the way things are going, if we're here in 20 years, I would consider that a win. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Dr. Syed Hyder, thanks for joining the show, guys. Go check out the websites. They're linked right below. Couldn't be easier, okay? Wherever you're watching our floating heads or listening to our voices, just scroll down and boom, there it is. It's mygotodoc.com. Uh, get the supplements, get the emergency preparedness um, things that you need at mygotostack.com or you can just go to mygotodoc.com. Hit on the supplements tab right there in the middle at the top. Uh, thanks so much for have or for coming on. I'll have to have you on again soon. Maybe uh, maybe when Monkeypox Phase Two comes out. Absolutely, um, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.